0: The Ready, Set, Grow podcast is sponsored by AgExpert, software designed for Canadian agriculture. Visit them today at agexpert.ca.
1: Welcome, everyone, to the Ready, Set, Grow podcast. My name is Joe Dales, and I'm one of the co-founders of RH Accelerator. And the podcast interviews interesting and innovative people in the agriculture and food sector. Today, uh, as always, we've got a great special host, uh, Diana Laturnis. Is here with us. So, hi, Di. How are you doing?
2: Hi, good.
1: Good. And we're really excited today. We've got a terrific uh, guest, Uh, Marty Seymour, is uh, with Farm Credit Canada, and and uh, one of the more um, active uh, speakers and and experts and influencers in agriculture. So, Marty, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Tell us your role at FCC. And um, for the people that don't know you, uh, share a little bit about yourself.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I love to open all my intros with, I have the coolest job in Canadian agriculture, hands down. Um, So I work at FCC, as you said, in a very unique role called industry relations. If you think about FCC as a crown corp in lending, we would have customers from BC to Newfoundland, from cows to canola to dairy to food processing, uh, I spend my day listening to trends and themes in those sectors, trying to make some sense of it, and then along the way making tons of connections in the industry. So, we kind of become the ultimate networker in agriculture. And I consider myself kind of a generalist, but I paid a lot of attention in my role the last couple of years to things around uh, automation, uh, you know, the ag tech side. How do we advance the industry? And then some emerging things we we deal with at FCC, like. Um, you know, uh, sustainability in agriculture, uh, where's labor gaps in the industry. And So from a professional side, I've, I've got, I still think the coolest job in the industry. The personal side, I'm actually a farm kid from Saskatchewan. I, my family, uh, we grow cows and canola and I'm actively involved in the farm and I'm on a small scale because my paid job in town allows me a couple of weeks of vacation every year to seed some crop and combine, but it keeps me grounded and And whenever I think I'm getting off track, I just go spend a week at the farm and my dad reminds me how little I really know. Um, but I think it makes me better at this job that I have. of of paying attention to what's going on. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. So Marty, you're immersed in the egg industry. Do you have some highlights of some of the things that have been happening over the last while?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, you know, the team, at FCC here, we spend a lot of time watching industry issues and, you know, without a doubt, COVID has hijacked the agenda of every egg producer group, uh, processors. Like we, it's been an all hands on deck situation. And so I, you know, in the summer, things are slowed down. I used to spend all my time in airport airports and at buffet tables and conferences. And, uh, Sitting at home, I started to realize there was some gaps in our industry and uh, built a new talk this winter to kind of talk about some changes about if we're not going to conferences and we're not attending events, are we actually advancing ag policy? And so I'm quite interested in will this new world of digitization like we're doing here right now, is that the way of the future? And, uh, And so I see that. I see deeper conversations around uh code of practice in food retail you know this finally this collision of values from food processing farming and food retail to say man how come how how come everyone can't win versus picking winners and losers in our food system i think that's another you know the rubber's hitting the road and COVID's driving that and then frankly just business is trying to stay in operation when people are afraid to come to work because of the coronavirus or um, there's an outbreak in a plant and we have, uh, we have to slow the line speed down. Like how do we deliver food in this country? I think we've done really well at market access. We're, we're exporting more than we have in the past. So despite COVID headwinds domestically, internationally, there's some good news stories happening too, especially on grains, oil, seeds, and animal proteins. So that's the stuff that's on my watch list on it. You can see it's very eclectic. Kind of every moving piece of this industry, we kind of have a finger into what's
2: happening. So Yeah. So you mentioned ag tech. Um, what kinds of things are you seeing there?
0: Well, I'll put my farmer hat on for a minute because you set me up pretty well here on Dana, for a little rant that I love to do. And so I always think rants make for good entertainment. So, but, so here's my rant. We have worked super hard as an industry to draw attention to broadband internet and how we need broadband in order to be competitive as an industry. And I was sitting on the combine in the fall Thinking about that. Um, you know, and frankly, last month I think the feds announced two billion dollars. We're gonna bring broadband the industry celebrating this. I think the industry should be celebrating that we were heard and that the government is trying to help and we're trying to accelerate it. And there's lots of companies playing in the early side of, of delivering high-speed internet to people. But what I realized was what's missing for me when I'm sitting in the combine is so I have internet now, like outside of my, you know, streaming my twitter account or getting a netflix feed was i really using it to make decisions on my farm and so if i think about the gap that i identified was there's lots of companies that have software tools and, and fcc i think's got one of the best in our egg expert platform um, counting thing i use that um i think the farm management side that we use for record keeping is serving me well but when i went beyond that to say what other softwares am i using that require broadband i actually wasn't using any and I think the real challenge for the innovators at home, if you're listening to this podcast, is solve a real problem for me. And the farmer in me, if you're dryland farming in the West, which seems to be where the race to ag tech is happening, is I'm more drawn to agronomic problems at my farm. I, so I, picked a, I chose my canola variety last week. You know, my, my choices around that were mostly agronomic driven. They weren't around using the data that I had. So why? Why didn't I use the, I'm not sure, but I recognize the gap is you're going to show up with some software that if it's not solving a problem for me and my management decision, you need to go back and rework your software because the adoption rate won't be big enough. So my worry of broadband is as an industry, we sat back and we said, got to have it, got to have it. Now that it's coming, do we have the software in the pipeline that's going to allow data transfer? we're still not digitizing all of our records in our industry. So if only half the records are digitized, I don't know if it's solving. Like broadband doesn't solve my problem. And so I think we could simplify this as an industry and say, let broadband happen. And along the way, let's look at our records and think about how do we share data. I've really noticed the supply chain need for data sharing. And there's a whole conversation around who owns the data. I've yet to wrestle that one down, but I know people are working on that but it's what decision do we use with the data that's got me really tripped up lately is actually don't know.
1: Yeah, good, good, uh, good rant. Um, It's hard because adoption of innovation is not linear and it kind of goes in fits and starts. I do think though, Marty, because of COVID, you know, we've advanced in a lot of sectors Um, digital activity, you know, five years in one year. Um, I was reading a report by IBM e-commerce, uh, has jumped, uh, and you know, our events, you're, you're an event guy, you're a conference guy, you're a trade show guy, uh, prior to joining FCC. Well, this year, um, with COVID, they've all been canceled. So one of our core, Uh, activities through the winter is has been events or trade shows or conferences and they're 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 slowly moving virtual but um what are your thoughts there like that we're, we're missing a there's a huge gap if you want to use the gap word in in our calendar and how can farmers take advantage of you know some of the opportunities uh um as we as we Hunker down for the winter.
0: Yeah, I, I'm almost feeling like a contrarian on this subject lately around what's the future of trade shows and events because there seems to be this compelling push to say that our, um, you know, we've all adopted uh, the technology. We're doing this this podcast here today and sort of using visual support tools, and it seems to be working. Um, so if we deliver more broadband, most of us will engage in this more. But I think we're missing the human. DNA, the, the fabric that you don't get um, through this digital experience, for example, on video conferencing. And this is why I think we'll go back to 80% of the way it used to be. And my rationale, I used to use this example. And um, so I attend a lot of industry roundtables and conference type things. There's a thing called the beef industry roundtable. And uh, we would meet a couple times a year. And it would be all players from the beef industry, 30 people sitting around a big boardroom, turning on their microphone to speak and turning it off and and debating and advancing issues in the industry. So we held one in the spirit of COVID remotely and we had 80 some people jump onto the call. And I would, at first blush, I'm like, wow, this is awesome. The participation rate is way up. (coughs) And so my first response was to celebrate that. And then I thought, okay, well what's happening in the meeting? We spent, six hours sharing powerpoint slides of what we're working on working on the packer shared and the the cattleman shared and the round table on sustainable beef shared and so we had a really good sharing experience I'll, i'll say pushing information but we never had a debate or a dialogue to really advance the space and then i was reflecting on that is you know where that was happening or where it does happen is it happens at the buffet table and at the coffee breaks so joe and i break at the, at our meeting, we zip over to the coffee and we're chatting. I said, Joe, I had this thought or an idea and I socialize it with you. We come back to the round table and we both, I have now a new supporter from idea named Joe and I speak to it and Joe says, yeah, I was talking to Marty. I'm in alignment and we advance the industry. And I think we need that in agriculture to have the difficult conversations because this exercise we're doing today it's not as natural to have the breakout and the difficult conversation. It just, the organic collisions are missing. And so, so for that, at that anchor alone, I think ag policy people would be well served to do that. Um, Innovators and people that look for collaboration would benefit from the coffee road chat versus the formalized one hour zoom call. Um, So, so we got that piece and the other one's community. Is I believe, and this is when I go to the farm, I see it all the time. Is this winter I'm actually looking for community as much as I am knowledge gathering. So when I, I can get knowledge gathering by reading on the internet, attending a Zoom call, but I don't get the community that I would get by attending an agribition, or uh, an outdoor farm show, or uh, the winter conference series. So, so I see antibodies in how business gets done. That would mean some version of our life before COVID will come back. Technology yeah. will solve some, but not all.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I'm going to take a slightly different approach. Um, I agree with you with the lack of events, the face-to-face, the the depth and the um, uh, deep conversations, policy conversations, they're missing, but I'm also seeing where uh, I was on an event the other day speaking, and last year they had 120 people show up in person for their, their event. This year they had an event and they had 470 uh, people sign up and consume the content digitally. Now, so maybe we're not a mile deep, but we're an inch, you know, we're covering a lot of ground. And I think that's the opportunity we've been thrust into this. And so I'm encouraging farmers and agribusiness people to take advantage of you know, meeting people. and Maybe it's only an inch deep, not a mile deep. But I don't think because uh, I, I've been in airports or I've been traveling, um, I've had a more productive six or eight months in my whole career because I can have these hour-long digital experiences. And I do think we are learning how to use Zoom and these these platforms. The, pa- the platforms are certainly getting better and deeper, and you know, you can attend three or four different things in the same week, whereas you would never have been able to do that before. So, so I think it's our mindset. That's really the critical piece. It's like, all right, all right, let's, uh, we've got lemons, so let's make lemonade and let's let's try to be productive and let's try to be innovative and let's try to stretch ourselves and fill in some of our, our gaps in our business. So um, I hear you on that. I miss seeing you, you know, uh, yep. at these events, but yep. You know, we are interg- we are interacting here for a few minutes uh, this morning and catching up. So it's a it's a second place, but it still can be productive, I guess, is my point.
0: Yeah, I think to build on your point, Joe, I think the piece you said is we've all become more scalable. And so you've been able to hit four different rooms in a week versus the one trip to to London or the one trip to Toronto, pick a, pick a venue. Um, mm-hmm. So I like that. I'm with you. We need to find the, op- the opportunity in that. Um, I'd love to. I'd encourage event organizers to relook at how we produce events as well. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I see some good shifts. Saying we're going to do two-hour punchy sessions. We'll meet three days in a row versus six hours all in. Like there's some good practices coming under that. That will increase engagement. Mm -hmm. Um, And then short, punchy things like like this talk. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's succinct and and punchy. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And then we're and then we move on back to our day. And I think we're consuming media different than we used to. Mm -hmm. You know, look at TikTok now. You're down to fifteen seconds. Twitter blew our minds when we went to 145 characters. Like, oh, we had more to say, but it's Mm -hmm. still very succinct. And I consume my content that way. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the other opportunity inside of this, Joe, is pushing people like me that are content providers to be more succinct.
2: Um, Marty, you talked about um, egg industry trends. And one of the things, you know, is on the commodity side, do you have anything to share in terms of commodities, ethanol, uh, you know, how that... Uh, how that's gone a bit different.
0: Um. You know, my, one of my favorite stories of reinvention through COVID has been ethanol and, and um, you know, Ontario being kind of our hub of ethanol production in the country is just, you know, COVID hits, we stopped going to work as a society. We stopped flying airplanes. Um, we just stopped consuming fossil fuels. So an ethanol blended gasoline all wasn't being consumed and their Ethanol production dropped or ethanol sales dropped 50% instantly. So by May, all those plants were operating at half capacity. I, about September, we started to sit in on some calls with ethanol producers and Said, hey, the hand sanitizer market actually needs, like, they can't keep up. Well, we make alcohol. We can turn that into hand sanitizer. And they found a new market. And I was, I think it's the best example of an industry who is disrupted. Finding a new opportunity, and and I think what it did was it created a a diverse market for the ethanol providers, but also for our corn growers. All of a sudden, there's another place where there's a fit. Um, I think those are cool. I think those are innovations that are, you know, that's what COVID did was the disruption was so material that we had to change our business or we weren't going to make it.
2: Mm -hmm. No, that's a good example. Do you have any other examples of people that have had to make a pivot or a shift based on? you know, the new, the new environment?
0: Yeah, I have, I have some, and I, you know, I don't know that, that I would call them as, um, like as positive, but I would, I find them interesting. And so food and food retail, so we, probably the best example is our packing plants on the meat side that had to slow down line speeds. Also, we're not able to debone meat anymore. And pork and beef would be the best example. So we got consumers headed down a path of, quick, easy to produce, or easy to cook roast, bone out. Well, all of a sudden, we now can't actually deliver that product anymore. And so we saw a shift at grocery and what people were buying and what they were being presented. The cool one for me, and I was just talking about this this morning, was um, we, I didn't realize how many choices we had in a grocery store. And this number is something like 46,000 SKUs in a modern grocery store. So in 1976, it was like 9,000. There's was hardly any. So we went to, so the consumer was used to having an infinite amount of choice, in my personal opinion. So all of a sudden, uh, canola was an example where we sold three different jug sizes of canola, like a 500 mil, a one liter, and a five liter. Now line speed slows down, uh, supply chain disruption. They're like, we're going to offer two sizes. And so I'm watching food and food retail say, we're actually going to streamline. Restaurant menus have scrubbed themselves of so much choice and variety. Grocery is scrubbing variety. I think that's an interesting food trend to watch. Say, so does that change how niche marketing happens in our industry? Or is it drive an efficiency into food retail that actually is warranted? Um, so there's a few examples, like I said, bone-in meat, uh, canola packaging sizes. And, and you'll see that throughout the whole grocery. And, and then the restaurant changes in what their offerings look like.
2: Uh, Marty, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Canada's Ag Day? I know that's coming up soon and, you know, the industry participates, universities, colleges, and all kinds of uh, producer involvement. Can you just explain a little bit about what happens on Ag Day and and when it is?
0: Yeah, I'm happy to talk about this one because it segues a bit to what we were talking about before about disruptions and interruptions and the value of the Canadian food system. And I think we can be proud in Canadian food that we're very, we've are very we been resilient through COVID despite changes in packing plants and food processing. Ag Day is a day where we try to mobilize the entire industry. So Ag more than ever has been the catalyst behind this. But we want Canadians to stand proud. Uh, it's, this year it happens in February 23rd, but it's every February. And stand up and say, you know, Canadian agriculture is something we're proud to be a part of. And we want consumers to know that their food is safe. It's reliable, and uh, this is our neighbors producing food. And so Ag Day is really about public trust in food and trying to break our echo chamber as a a farming community and a processing community to say, let's make the tent bigger and have all Canadians stand proud. It's anchored in a social media movement, and so we're trying to get people to put content in. You know, Even if it's what you're eating today and demonstrating some gratitude for Canadian food or it's about farmers standing proud with something they've done that they want people to know but it's it's really designed to break the echo chamber we produce a conference every year as part of it naturally as per our conversation earlier it's a digital experience this year i'm pretty proud to say dominic barton's joining us to have a chat with our ceo to talk about the opportunities that he sees in the global food system and to build off the barton report that was hey as a country are we living up to our potential and Agriculture will be part of the economic recovery of the country and agri-food and the conversation on digitizing. Uh, we, we can step into this opportunity and COVID created the platform. So I see Ag Day as a collision of, of opportunity for our industry and we get great support from coast to coast. It'll be the number one trending story on Twitter that day and has been for five years.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's February 23rd?
0: It's February 23rd of this year. February 23rd of 2021.
2: Awesome. So hopefully everybody will participate. And and what's the hashtag that they can use to uh the hashtag
0: that's a great hashtag. point, Diana. We we tr- we use that as a way to really amplify the bubble. Is if everyone's putting the hashtag on their content, CDN Egg Day, uh that that gels everything together and really allows the industry to get noticed in the thread. And I the last few years I've been particularly proud of consumer media grabbing our story. So the, the CBC Morning Show in Toronto, for example, picking up a story about agriculture and food, I'm, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's it's just this one day where we all stand united and say, despite the warts on the system when you're inside of farming and all the stuff we're trying to change, we've got a lot to be grateful for. This is our day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a good congrats on that. And I think it's important that we try to push through to the consumer, um, especially from the far end of the uh, the agri-food chain, I guess, supply chain, if you want to call it, because we're not that good at, uh, at, uh, at that. Um, did you, have you seen the, uh, the new McDonald's commercial with the, the, the beef ranching children? Um, I actually tweeted it out the other night because I was so impressed. The, the young people did such a fabulous job of talking about their cattle and the industry and proud to, uh, proud to, uh, produce beef do you know
0: i tell a little story on that joe yeah we industry we've been we have a great working relationship with with mcdonald's but um as part of ag day we bring in guest speakers all the time and uh, we've worked with mcdonald's a couple times to have them come and talk about what they're seeing where the trends are going and um, i had the good fortune last year to meet the marketing manager for mcdonald's canada and we talked about the origin of their not without canadian farmers and the backstory on this is probably little understood, but um, that marketing manager that brought that idea came to Canada from Europe and had played this uh, concept through France in terms of, hey, French farmers matter and and support them, and brought this to Canada. And I think it's one of the most brilliant campaigns to engage the whole supply chain with a true sense of pride. You know, it's really anchored in, we all got something to be proud of here. Their choice in supply chain, our choice in how we do sustainability, and it what, what people underestimate this industry is it just takes one person. It took that one person from McDonald's to say, I have an idea and let's do this. That's how agriculture grows.
1: Yeah. Good job on that. That's a, uh, that's a great story. Um, you also are producing a podcast. I, I listened to a couple and uh, really enjoy them. So how can people find, you know, some of these interesting stories that you're, you're producing regularly? Yeah. So we
0: launched in the fall a thing called FCC knowledge podcast and you can find it just go into your podcast feed and just, just type in FCC knowledge and it'll pull up. But what I've been enjoying about it is we're interviewing regular people that work in agriculture and we cover lots of business stuff, you know, how uh, business planning, succession planning. But what I really enjoyed about it is these are regular people that you might know. They might be from I don't Milton, Ontario. They could be from somewhere in Quebec or or Watrous, Saskatchewan, and they're just telling their story. And they all have a common thread: is the passion that people have for the industry. And and it's super hard not to be drawn into these to to listening to these people with their highs and lows and their journey, because every one of them has some sort of train wreck that happened in their farming career. They you can't do this without having a having a mess. And so it's really good listening. So. Just check it out. I look for FCC knowledge and it's about agriculture and food
2: that's excellent um, Marty can you uh, you know if people want to get a hold of you, how could they get a hold of you to discuss more or talk about different topics in the industry?
0: yeah, certainly look me up through Marty Seymour on LinkedIn that's a great way to message and I'm pretty active on Twitter. if you follow my Twitter account, I have a laugh once a week at something in my life and or something related to our industry, and so I'm marty seymour one uh give me a follow too and uh, reach out i i get my energy from hearing people's stories um and so don't hesitate to uh and if you heard something i said today and it didn't sit with you take me up on it i welcome this i think our industry is better by having meaningful conversations
1: perfect well thanks marty we really enjoyed the chat today and we'll have to do this again sometime soon diana great to see you again and uh, thanks to all our listeners for the Ready, Set, podcast, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.